CFL fans, are you ready? Because it's time for the Canadian Football Countdown on Mike FM Winnipeg. Canadian Football Countdown starts now! Hello, hello, and welcome to the Canadian Football Countdown. As always, I'm Ryan Coop alongside Michael Garrell, and we are back talking more CFL football with a bonus episode here today, Mike. Bonus. The word bonus must mean something big has happened. Yes, of course, we are here to discuss the big news that took place in the CFL on Sunday this weekend. And that is the birthday of the Canadian Football Countdown. We turned four, the podcast turned four yesterday, Mike. Happy birthday. Woo! Very good. I remember the first day of the show very vividly. Absolutely. Four years and one day ago now as we're recording this on Monday the 23rd. Of course, no, that's not what we're actually here to talk about this whole bonus episode. Uh. Hey, Mike, uh, there's a guy, you've probably heard of him, mm-hmm. his name's Johnny, mm-hmm. he uh, he likes to play football. Um, Johnny football? He, he hasn't had a chance to play football much this year, uh, but he might be now, because Johnny Manziel traded from the Hamilton Tiger Cats to the Montreal Alouettes Sunday, I want to say early evening on Sunday, in a massive trade. That you don't see too often in the CFL. There's a lot of moving parts here, a lot of big names. Pretty busy Sunday, if you ask me. Yeah, pretty busy Sunday. Um, you know, just getting back to, you know, trades of this magnitude. The only one that I can recall of this magnitude that involved the Winnipeg Blue Bombers in recent memory was the trade that sent Charles Roberts to BC. But yeah, I, again, like in history, you know, you look at trade like this, they don't happen all that often. No, they really don't. And uh, this was a big one. And uh, before we get into things, I uh, just want to mention, as always, the Canadian Football Countdown is a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Uh, check out all of the other shows. I know they're going to all have interesting takes on this trade as well. Uh, so check them all out at CF Pod Network on Twitter and cfpodnetwork.ca. Uh, just before we start, we're going to break this down from basically all angles over about the next half an hour, Mike. Uh, the trade that ha- took place on Sunday. So Johnny Manziel goes from Hamilton to Montreal along with international offensive lineman Tony Washington and national offensive lineman Landon Rice. So that's Johnny Manziel and two offensive linemen to the Alouettes. And uh, in return, Hamilton gets Jamal Westerman, Canadian defensive end. Uh, Chris Williams, international wide receiver and arguably Montreal's best receiver so far this year. And two first-round picks in 2020 and 2021. That's a blockbuster if I've ever seen one. Well, it's... um somebody's framing this trade up in their office with the same paperwork and and doing bat, bat slaps and all that kind of stuff in their office, while the other one is kind of going, hmm, rolling dice, wanting some desperation. And now we had another trade come out earlier today, this afternoon. The Montreal Alouettes weren't done here. 
Also picking up a Darius Bowman from the Bombers in return for an eighth-round conditional pick. Uh, we'll get into that one later on, but we want to talk about this big trade between the Thai Cats and the Alouettes. I, I, where, where do we begin? Well, I, I think, you know, a fair place to start would be those two first-round picks. Um, I thought there was a day, quite frankly, where first-round picks were coveted. And there's a certain general manager giving them away like candy on a Christmas tree. <laughs> Who puts um, candy on the Christmas tree? No, but I, <laughs> I, I don't know. But Sometimes the analogies work. Sometimes they don't, Mike. Let this sink in. We're in what year? 2018? Yes. Last time I checked the calendar. So next year's draft will be 2019. Yeah. The Alouettes don't have a pick in... 2019, 2020, and 2021. Right. They don't have a 2019 first-round pick because they selected Tyler Johnstone in the supplemental draft this year, which, I mean, you could argue he is the equivalent of a first-round pick. You know, Canadian offensive lineman, he's already starting for the team. Uh, Maybe that's a trade-off there. But, no, I agree with you. Overall, this trade, you know, when... When I first saw the trade, I thought Hamilton completely fleeced the Montreal Alouettes here mm-hmm. and completely robbed them of everything they owned. Mm-hmm. Getting a little, you know, looking a little closer into it, I think Cavis Reed actually did a decent job. But the two first-round picks is what I can't get over here. Yeah. Because you're a team in a rebuild, and you don't have a first-round pick in the next three years? That does not signal rebuild to me. And if you're trying to tell me that Montreal is not in a rebuild, I will try to tell you that you may want to question your reasoning. Well, I'll tell you what. Um, I think this signifies one other thing, and without having talked to sources in Montreal, uh, I believe that uh, Tavis Reed is in this for the long haul. let's, Let's start with the big name. Johnny Manziel, going from Hamilton to Montreal here. You know... There has been a lot of rumors all season long. He's the most talked about guy in the CFL, one would argue, mm-hmm. in the first third of the season. I mean, every time Mazzoli struggled a little bit, when are they going to put Johnny in? Brandon Bridge struggles in Saskatchewan. Oh, let's trade for Manziel. Jonathan Jennings struggles in BC. Oh, Manziel to BC. Montreal. Oh, Manziel to Montreal. Over and over, and did we think the trade was going to happen at all? I didn't. You know, I thought Hamilton was going to keep these two quarterbacks, uh, Mazzoli and Manziel, because we've seen how many quarterbacks have gone down so far this year. And I really thought he was going to stay in Hamilton. But now he goes to Montreal here. What do you make of that? Well, I, I think it made sense, you know, if you want to, from Hamilton's perspective, that, you quash any quarterback controversy that there is by making this trade. Um, was it needed? No. But when you sense desperation on the part of a team that wants to acquire said piece, you can't help but be suckered into making a deal like this. I can think of a couple winners and losers from this trade, and uh, not specifically talking about the teams involved, but players involved. Two big winners to me. Jeremiah Mazzoli. How about Dane Evans? This is the f- guy coming into the year, fourth string quarterback for Hamil- the Hamilton Tiger Cats. They ship out Vernon Adams. They ship out Johnny Manziel. 
Ver, uh, Dane Evans is now the number two quarterback in Hamilton. He's moved up two spots, and he's now the second in command if Mazzoli struggles here at all, you know, to come into a game and get some reps there. So I, I don't think anybody has been talking about, you know, what this trade means for Dane Evans, but maybe we should start talking about what this means for Dane Evans. Now, of course, the big one, Jeremiah Mazzoli has had intense pressure on him all season long to succeed. We, we saw that this week with the Ticats losing to the Saskatchewan Rough Riders again. So many people clamoring afterwards that Manziel should start for Hamilton, which just appalls me because this is a guy who threw for over 300 yards, nine straight games, was one away from beating the CFL record. And you want to put him on the bench for a guy who hasn't played a snap in the CFL yet? No, like that, that just shouldn't happen. And I think the hype around Manzil is something we haven't seen necessarily before because he is a guy that, you know, was very hyped up going into the NFL, right? And he had a great college career, and everyone's thinking, you know, he's coming from the NFL. He has what it takes to light up this league. We haven't seen him play a snap yet. Let's see what he does in Montreal. Here's another question I have. There's people that have been suggesting that Montreal has been courting Johnny Manziel for 18 months. Why didn't he work something out with Hamilton regarding their ninth list? It probably would have been 100 times cheaper. Because Josh Freeman was the answer to everything. <laughs> well, that's that's true. And I, I've been trying to everything kind of changed once that happened. But what does it say about Drew Willie and Matt Schultz? I, I, I like to take this a different angle. And, you know, I may not like the trade overall, but hats off to Kavis Reed for trying to improve his football team. Because I think what we've seen from Montreal over the last couple of years is complacency with mediocrity. And mm -hmm. mediocrity is putting it nicely in that, you know, we really didn't see them go out and improve the most important position they need to improve. And he saw a case where they're one in four to start the season here. You know, Drew Willie looks like he's injured again, got injured this week. Jeff Matthews is injured. Matt Schultz just came back from injury. He needs to go out and get a quarterback, and he got Johnny Football, and Johnny Football will be the starter in Montreal in a couple of weeks. I think Matt Schultz will still get the starting job this week, mm -hmm. but uh, interestingly enough, guess who comes to town two weeks from now? The Hamilton Tiger Cats. Yeah, I, I've been thinking about that. And, of course, uh, September 21st, when Montreal comes to Winnipeg, obviously. Uh, man, there's all kinds of angles. And other than the fact that Montreal, all of a sudden, has gotten three offensive linemen. And, yes, I include that guy, but they Tyler got in the supplemental draft. Tyler Johnstone, right? Yeah. So, now, all of a sudden, you're looking at three offensive linemen and a guy that you're hoping is your long-term number one, you really only mortgage two first-round pits. Is it that steep of a price when you don't know what those first-round pits turn into? Well, let's break this down, Montreal's side and then Hamilton's side, of what we liked, what we didn't like in this, in this deal for mm -hmm. them. Let's start with the Alouettes here. Obviously, the huge positive, they get a quarterback who has some potential here to succeed, right? Uh, and I think the fact that they brought in two offensive linemen with them that he has worked with in practice, mm -hmm. right, is a huge plus for them there as well. 
But it's the things they gave up that I really question here for Montreal. We talked about the first round picks, so I'm not going to talk about those anymore. But Chris Williams has been the best receiver on your team this season. Looked like he was having a strong bounce back year. I know he's been injured the last week or two, but he was having a good year here in Montreal. You know, it's funny, you bring in a quarterback to try to help out your wide receivers, but then you ship out your best wide receiver, and now your quarterback doesn't have a wide receiver to throw the ball to. Yeah, keep it in mind, this is in the context of before the Adarius Bowman at, at position. Right. But uh, but even then, you know, if I chose right now, based on what I've seen so far this year, between Adarius Bowman and Chris Williams, I'm still taking Chris Williams because, A, he's performed better this year, B, he's been more consistent, and three, he has that speed to be that breakout downfield target. I, the way I see this is, in order to get something substantial, you got to give up something substantial. And it came at the, at the price of Williams and... Westerman. Westerman. And now that's another thing I can't figure out while we're on this discussion. Yeah. Is you, you brought in Westerman, supposedly you wooed him with a wheelbarrow of money. Not to mention the chance to play with his brother. And six weeks later, that's gone. Yeah. And, and you know, to be fair, Montreal's strength is on the defensive side of the ball. So they had some pieces with the work there. Maybe they like what they've got on the defensive line without Jamal Westerman. And, uh, I mean, he's a heck of a bargaining chip, right? Like, Canadian defensive end that had a great last couple of years when he was with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. He's been playing well to start the year this year. Uh, I I, I kind of get, you know, using him as a bargaining chip. To me, the shocking one is still Chris Williams because, like I said, you have that strength on the defense. You can't tell me they didn't necessarily have another defensive piece to throw in there because if we want to shift over to the Hamilton side of things here, why does Hamilton need Chris Williams? <laughs> Well, it gives them another option with, with with Speedy Banks and Tolliver and... You've got Tolliver and Banks and Tasker and Saunders already as four, arguably, of the top receivers in the CFL. And now you're adding Chris Williams to the mix? My goodness. Well, just ask the Bombers how difficult it is for a team to defend a couple of decent receivers. Yeah. You know, and... and you know, more so more so to this, Hamilton D-line got better. They got the draft pitch, you know, the two first-rounders. I think they can sacrifice a little bit at the quarterback position given the haul that they got. Oh, and, and honestly, I think this might help them at the quarterback position because he, I'll put it this way, and this is not on the character of Johnny Football at all or any of the guys in the locker room. The Johnny football situation in Hamilton to me was toxic and it was, it was toxic for Mazzoli. It was toxic for Manziel. It was toxic for the guys in the locker room. And it's by no fault of any of these guys I've just mentioned. It's, it's the media coverage. And yes, you know, maybe we're considered part of the media coverage. I don't know, but it's the media coverage, it's the fan outcry that made this a situation where you put so much pressure on your starting quarterback that anytime he incompletes a pass, you're, you're calling for him to be replaced. I mean, 
that that's no easy working situation for him. I imagine it's not an easy working situation for Manziel, who, to his credit, came into Hamilton and was an excellent teammate from what I've seen, at least, in that, you know, he's sporting his starting quarterback, doing what he needed to do in practice. But there was so much attention on Mazzoli's play and when are we going to finally put Johnny in there. Now he comes over to Montreal. I don't think any of us are going to question when Cavis Reed and Mike Sherman go and put Johnny Manziel in the starting role in two weeks, right? Like there's going to be no questions in Montreal. No, none of us are going to say, what the heck are you doing when they go and start Johnny football potentially two weeks from now? They brought in Johnny Mandel because he will be their number one. Yeah, and, and Cavis Reed said that, right? We didn't bring him to play on to sit on the bench. And Mike Mike, Mike Sherman just said the whole the whole thing over again. I'm I'm looking for the quote here. Uh, Mike Sherman said Johnny Mandel would be in uniform on Thursday night. Wouldn't commit as to whether or not he will play, but he added, "quote We didn't bring him to." We didn't bring him here to sit on the bench. Yeah. This is a good situation for Johnny Football. He gets his chance to play. We know he wants to go back to the NFL. You know, he's stuck in, ha- in Montreal now for two years till the end of 2019 based on the contracts before he can go back to the NFL. If he wants. If he wants, which right, right now I imagine he does, but that remains to be seen what kind of success he has. There's there. a lot of guys that were planning on being in the CFL for two years. And I've wound up being here for a lot longer. That's fair. Uh, so I think, but I think it's good for him. He gets the chance to start, gets the chance to play, and maybe there's more pressure on him now as a starter there. But I think just the, just the whole battle, you know, Mazzoli Manzo was not was not good for anybody. The coverage of it across the CFL, and I think it's a huge weight lifted. Off of Missouri, getting back to my point that this is better for the Hamilton quarterback situation. Sure, if Missouri goes down, maybe now there's some question marks because they didn't get a quarterback back in this trade, right? So Evans is now the backup guy. But I, I think it's a huge pressure lifted off of Jeremiah Missouri. He had a bad game this past week, but no doubt in my mind he's going to bounce back. To me, to me, to me, the thing I look at is. We're in the clear-cut possibility of anybody that needs a starting quarterback. What do you mean? Like, for me, if you look around the league, I don't think Jeremiah Mazzoli was going to be benched for Johnny Mandel if it wasn't for injury or anything but injury. No, he wasn't. Then I look at around the league, you know, what happens in potential... Landon spot, i.e. Winnipeg, Calgary, BC, Edmonton. All of those teams have a bona fide starter. To me, this is the best case scenario for Johnny Manziel. The other thing is, he's not going to be able to showcase himself for NFL teams holding the clipboard. Exactly. And I don't know if this part of this deal was, you know, Ticats making a nice gesture to give him an opportunity to start I don't think I think they made this trade because it made sense for them. Yeah, because they saw an opportunity to get better and they got some big pieces. The one the one thing I want to talk about from the Hamilton side of things here, giving up two offensive linemen here in Tony Washington and Landon Rice. 
you know, one of them's your one one of them starting, and one of them has been your sixth offensive lineman. Do you worry about them giving up two of those in this trade? No, because I think that I think they're. I heard from sources that I talked to in Hamilton that they were, you know, set with some other guys that they have coming up in the system that are now going to get to start and, you know, come off the PR. So, I think if you're Hamilton, you're de- you're dealing from a position of of strength, strength on strength. You know, you give them a quarterback, but you get, you know, a little better at receiver, and of course, you get a little better if you was possible before before this trade on the pass rush. Right. So two Canadian defensive ends quite potentially as well, right? Justin Capicotti and Jamal Westerman. That's real good. You know, you take out the two first round picks, I think this is a trade that works out for both sides. And and I think Montreal's hedging on some bets here that a couple of first round picks don't pan out. Which is entirely possible. Yeah. You know, maybe Hamilton gets two first overall picks out of this and neither of them signs there. Hello, Mark Chapman, where are you? <laughs> uh, but now, just getting back to it quickly, now the pressure is on Hamilton. Because if you want to really make a la- uh, landslide of this trade, you turn those first round picks into something. Absolutely. And, and I think, too, it's very interesting if and when they find that Mazzoli is not the die. Let's be frank, the guy is 12 and 12 as a starter now. That first round pit, those first round pits give them currency to get a guy, get a guy's rights before he becomes a free agent with the quarterback carousel that's to come. Before we move on here, the one last thing I want to talk about with this trade is the preposterous jersey situation with the Tie Cats here. I mean, so. How many people bought Johnny Manziel jerseys when he signed with the Cats? Quite a few. I'm not going to lie. Like, I've seen, you know, I almost every TSM broadcast, and no matter where it is either, mm-hmm. you see a Manziel Cleveland Browns jersey. Like, you watch a Riders Montreal game before he was in Montreal, and there is a Manziel jersey from one, his time in Cleveland. And you can't tell me, like, there's a lot of people who bought Manziel Ticast jerseys because of the big name, and that's what part of it was, was they bring them in to sell the jerseys. I'll, t- I'll tell you what, this is not any fault of anybody. Did, how much are CFL jerseys? Oh, I don't know for sure, but I want to say, like, minimum 120? 120, 130, Fit, something yeah. like that. I, I didn't look into it. So you're making an extra $30 for everybody but changing in their jerseys. Yeah, so the thing I'm talking about here, the Ticats announcing that anybody with a Manziel Ticats jersey can turn it in at the Ticats store, get a $100 gift card to get a new jersey. What about the rest of us fans from around the league who've had players with their names on the back get traded as well? I'll admit... I've never put a name on the back of my jersey. It's the CFL. Half the rosters change every year, right? I have one jersey. It's number 85, and you've seen this one at Mount Steedle. I got it after he retired. Yeah, see, you know, I, I've i thought about doing something similar to because the guys, they move around so often. It's hard to really pick one that you know is going to spend a long time with an organization. I, 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 I'll say this. I... I Props, I guess, to the Ticats organization for doing that for all these people who bought Manziel jerseys. 
but did you really need to go and do that? Like, oh, it's thirty dollars or whatever the difference. Oh is. yeah, they're ma- they're gonna make a ton of money off of this. That's why they're doing it, right? For every jersey, so what's a hundred dollar gift card for them? Yeah, that you can't tell me that this was done as you know a kindness gesture when it's not part of it is thinking money in their hands. But, I just wonder, was this a move, a Montreal standpoint, done to boost an alien fan base or football productivity on the field? I'll spin this with another question for you. Was this a move made for Cavis Reed to try to save his butt? Well. One and four start to the season after the disaster that was last year. Quarterbacks, it, the offense still struggling, averaging something like 15 points a game, maybe even less than that. Cavis Reed make this trade to try to save his job. Because if he gets fired, let's just say he gets fired, which could very well happen. I don't think it will. Is a new general manager going to want to come in and say, oh, you can take the job, but you don't have a first-round pitch for three years. Yeah, that's true. So that's why I'm wondering if Kavis is in this for, for the long haul. And I will tell you this. There is no way both ownership groups didn't have a say in this trade going down. For sure. You know, it's kind of funny here that you you mentioned the no first-round picks, and what does that mean, you know, if Kavis Reed does move on, whether, you know, by his own decision or by being let go. Does it not bring you back a little bit to the Joe Mack situation here in Winnipeg where, you know, once Joe Mack was let go by the Bombers organization, Kyle Walters has come in and done an amazing job. But it took a couple years to do so because of what was left behind for him. I can't imagine coming in as a new general manager and not having a first-round pick for the next three years. And I'm not suggesting Cavis Reed is going to get fired here. I like what he did this week uh, in terms of at least attempting to improve his football team. We'll see if it does so, but uh, props to Cavis Reed for doing that. Yeah, to me... To me, if you really wanted to move on from Cavus Reed, the time would be now. Well, you're not going to do it now right after he makes this trade. Well, here's the other thing. I think the ownership signed off on this trade. This this trade will do one of two things. Pretty plain and simple. It'll make Montreal relevant again, i.e. Johnny Manziel comes in and lights up the CFL and Montreal wins a whole bunch of teams and he resurrects their franchise. Or it sets their franchise back even, even more than it did before this deal. Well, let's talk the Adarius Bowman to Montreal trade for a little bit here, Mike. Uh, Adarius Bowman brought to Winnipeg this offseason, cast off from Edmonton uh, during the winter. You know, he had a down year last year. They didn't want to pay him that much. Bombers pay reportedly $140,000 in the offseason to bring Bowman back to Winnipeg. He's looked at as this big addition that's going to put the Bombers' offense over the top this year. Connection with Matt Nichols. Bowman's going to have a massive bounce-back year here in Winnipeg. What happened? Because three games without a catch. He had only one catch and at least one or two others. I'll pull up his actual season stats here for us. But I'm shocked to see how this season started for Adarius Bowman because it was bad. Well, I will offer this. I'm not sure if the Bombers 
had an idea that a player like Drew Walatarski would have a breakout like he did. I don't think they really accounted that Simon I would be as far ahead as he was. Patterman. Patterman was another one of those that I don't. I honestly think that you made projections after drafting the guy. And if the guy has kind of forced your hand, i.e. to try to make the team, or for reps, you know, you're not even talking about, you know, Corey Washington, Ryan Lanford, who we haven't seen in ages, and I almost forgot about him until he was brought up by somebody else. And then there was another guy on the practice roster, Kembrell Tompkins. Kembrell Tompkins is another guy um, who the Bombers are very high on. So... I think you looked at all that, and you looked at his reported $140,000 salary, and you're going, oh, we might be a little bit tight to the cap. We don't want to release the guy, but let's see what we can get for him. Yeah. Montreal steps up with a conditional pick. Yeah, a conditional eighth-round pick, and the the condition is if he performs well with Montreal, and I don't know what exactly that means. Uh, but probably performance bonus. Yeah, something like that. If he performs in Montreal, they get her eighth round pick. If he doesn't, they, the Bombers get nothing. So they essentially released him here. It's the essentially the exact same thing. Maybe they get something out of a potential eighth round pick. The same type of thing as Abdul Kane being traded to Toronto for an eighth round pick by the Ticats uh, at the start of the season. Nine catches for 95 yards in six games this year. For Adarius Bowman. Like I said, three games without a catch. He was targeted. You know, he hasn't been targeted that much, first of all. He was not utilized very much in this offense. And when he got the ball thrown his way, you know, there was a bit of a case of the dropsies. And I don't know if that's something that Bowman just can't overcome here in Winnipeg. Because if you remember, that's how his first stint here in Winnipeg seemingly ended, right? He had that knock against him. Great receiver, but would drop the ball and he did that sometime this several times already this year he wasn't producing as much as they expected to I love Adarius Bowman I I think he's a great guy you know I've I've seen I've heard that he's very active does a lot of charity work uh and seems just like a great guy and I'm really disappointed that it didn't work out here for him in Winnipeg but at the end of the day, this is the business side of football that people talk about, right? It's the brutal side of football that is required when it's something called money saving. Yeah. Maybe the Bombers have something else coming, but they want to put the money towards or just want the flexibility uh, with NFL cuts coming. Well, I just uh, was strolling through Twitter before we started here. Uh, somebody suggesting, well, Bakari Grant is still out there and available. Do you go pick him up now that you have money if you're the Bombers? Again, I, was Adarius Bowman's trade slash release, but in this all intents and purposes was a trade, was it as a result of a personnel crowding or money or what? Because if you got rid of them because you have so many guys better, cheaper, but do the same thing, then you're not looking at Batari Grant. But if you want some insurance, absolutely, why not look for him? If you can get him at a cheaper price. We talked about some of those guys that the Bombers have at wide receiver that could now fill the hole because they have to put someone in where Darius Bowman was. You know, we mentioned Kembrell Tompkins. 
you mentioned Corey Washington. Uh, who was the other one we were Lankford. talking about? Ryan Lankford. I'll tell you this. I don't think any of those guys is filling that starting role. You know who is? Timothy Flanders, Absolutely. who is back from injury now. I saw that mentioned on Twitter, and it clicked right away to me that this trade is happening right now. Timothy Flanders is off the sixth game. He started practicing again. You, they're not going to put him at running back because you got Harris, you got LaFrance. You, heck, Nick Dembski is even running the ball Johnny a couple of times a game. Too, so. yeah, Nick Dembski's running the ball a couple of times a game. You know, Flanders was playing air quote slot back at the end of the year last year. Seems like the perfect way. This seems, if that's what they're doing here, finding, because I wondered how the heck you were going to get Tim Flanders into this lineup. Mm-hmm. And if this deal, they cut some salary here in trading Bowman, and they make room to put Tim Flanders in here, I, I like that for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. I'll say this, and I know Bakari Grant's a great CFL player, but I'd be shocked if he ended up in Winnipeg. Yeah, no, I'm not entirely saying I'm not saying that. I just figure I'd bring that up because I saw that and thought that was a little interesting. No, I, I agree, but I, I think anything Bakari Grant related, you know, I, I think... I'm just shocked he hasn't landed anywhere yet. Like, Toronto, what are you doing? Again, we don't know the circumstances. We don't know, you know, maybe he wants too much money relative to his age. There, there could be a myriad of circumstances. Uh, this trade for on the Montreal side of things, I mean, you give up an eighth-round pick to get a guy that a couple years ago was best receiver in the if CFL. If he's good for you. If he's good for you, yeah. You give up that. For a guy that was one of the best receivers in the CFL for a couple years in a row, I don't see a problem with this deal from the Montreal side of things. Well, here's the thing, and I've, I've been to softens the landing a little bit for, you know, giving up Chris Williams. Yeah, certainly. Um, but again, I mean, Montreal has what, lost 15 or 16, 16 or 17, something like that? Something like that. If you stay status quo, well, status quo hasn't been working. But this is also a giant roll of the dice. And, and Bowman's going to have every opportunity, I think, in Montreal to have that mm-hmm. bounce back, right? Like I said, yeah, he hasn't performed yet this year with the Bombers, but he really didn't have the ball thrown his way much. And I don't know if that was just him not getting open. Maybe it was the scheme. I think it may have been a bit of both. But in Montreal, he's... I mean, you've got B.J. Cunningham, Ernest Jackson, who's been non-existent in that offense quite a bit this year. It's not outlandish to say Bowman now comes in as your number one or your number two guy at wide receiver. And with a new quarterback in Johnny Manziel, maybe we see a connection from those two guys who are both looking to arguably revitalize their careers here. We are running out of time in this episode, Mike. I want to bring up one more question here for you about another guy. And it sticks to the topic of the Montreal Wets. We talked about this a little bit last week. You've got a new quarterback in Johnny Manziel. Played in the NFL. Do you bring in another guy who was formerly in the NFL to give him another target at wide receiver? Terrell Owens has been granted his release from his negotiationless status with the Edmonton Eskimos. Will we see T.O. in Montreal and will we see Johnny Manziel throwing the football to Terrell Owens in the CFL? And if that happens, I think I'd be, I think I'd be watching the NFL. Um, no, I don't think so. I, I, I think... Uh, Do you think Terrell Owens lands anywhere? No. I I don't know. I, I would be surprised. Um, 
and then a bunch of y'all wants to do this, I, I think there's no harm in trying because I think if there's a team in a fit, Montreal is the is the is the only option out there. Montreal or Toronto? Toronto. T O and T O. I'm I'm just not sure Trustman wants it. I like that. You know, it's one thing to be NFL player. It's another to be in your mid forties. You know. Here here's the What's thing. What's going to be Nats deal? Hey, Stiegel, taking himself out of the. He did talk Hall about it. He did. He did jokingly talk about it with Terrell Owens. If Terrell Owens signed with Edmonton, Stiegel was going to come out of retirement. He said, but uh, no. Here's the thing. It's, this isn't the NHL. This isn't the NBA. This isn't the NFL. Granted, I don't follow the NFL and the NBA that much to know how contracts work in those leagues. Besides, you just shovel mountain loads of money at guys and stack up your team. Fairly accurate. Uh, <laughs> the CFL, no contract is guaranteed. You owe it to yourself if you're the Alouettes or if you're the Toronto Argonauts, two teams that need help at wide receiver. This guy, he's in shape. Former, one of the best receivers of all time in the NFL. Why not bring him in? You bring him in, he doesn't work out, you cut him a week later. Yeah. There's no logical reason why not to give it a shot. I don't want to say the circus has come to Montreal, but this is going to be a lot of fun. Absolutely. We'll leave it at that here, Mike. Uh, final quick thought. Who won the trade, Hamilton or Montreal? As of this minute, Hamilton. But it remains to be seen. Yeah. There is a price for a starting quarterback. Montreal paid it. But let's see. And let's see if Johnny Football can indeed be that starting quarterback for the Alouettes. Uh, very interesting to see how this all plays out. That does it for this bonus episode of the podcast here. Stay tuned. We still have our regular episodes for the week. So our week six uh, CFL recap and our week seven CFL preview uh, also coming out on all of the podcast feeds this week. So stay tuned for those as well. We'll be recording those shortly here on a very busy Monday night for us at the uh, on the Canadian Football Countdown. Uh, so look for those to come out in the next couple of days as well. Follow us on Twitter at CFC on Mike FM and visit our website at MikeFMWinnipeg.com slash the Canadian Football Countdown. That last part all hyphenated. Mike, any final thing you want to say before we let this one go? I can't wait till Thursday because now Montreal Alouette games got more exciting to watch. Well, I don't know if he'll be in the lineup. That I don't know if he'll play this Thursday. Come on. One drive, two drives? You have to think maybe. Well, well we... I'm curious, just while we're on this topic, Mike Sherman recruited Johnny Mandel to test him. He's aware of him. Let's see if there's a connection there. Absolutely. We'll, we'll, we'll keep an eye out on that. Uh, like I said, check out the other podcasts this week as well. And uh, check I'm out... I'm curious what the flight that people have to say. Yes, check out all the other Canadian Football Podcast Network shows who I imagine will be coming out with their own takes on this this week as well. So check those all out at cfpodnetwork.ca and at cfpodnetwork on Twitter. For Michael Garrell, I'm Ryan Coop saying thank you for listening to the Canadian Football Countdown. Check out our other shows coming out this week and have a wonderful day. Bye. Bye.